Broadcasting live to the world now. It's Sheila Zelensky. This is a very sinister Luciferian eugenics plan. These spineless weasels preach what people want to hear. They replace repentance with dreams of the good life. Mindless minions. Dying daily, taking up your cross, suffering and sacrificing have been superseded with name it and claim it. as dark as I knew it looks out there, the good news is that God is advancing his kingdom. And it's very exciting to be a part of his great commission. It's Sheila Zelensky. Zelensky Show, the only show to give you the truth behind the headlines, prophecy, and the deeper things of God. Now, here is your host, end time watchwoman, Sheila Zelensky. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Sheila Zelensky Show for this April 4th, 2016 edition. I broadcast weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern Time right here on WINB and also at WeekendVigilante.com. Don't forget to sign up for my free e-newsletter because one is coming out later today. You'll want to be watching for that. Don't forget to sign up for my podcast and also you can get the app, which is a great app. You can go to the app store and download it. Just search Weekend Vigilante for that app and I think you'll be very happy with it. If you have not got a copy of my book, Green Gospel, folks, get a copy. This is a very timely book with the UN ramping up its agenda in full swing. Couldn't be a more timely book. And I want to encourage you to check out my appearance on Skywatch TV if you did not already do so. I really get into my book on that program. And if you have not added me on social media, I put a lot of updates on social media. So do like me on YouTube and Twitter. And don't forget to sign up for my YouTube channels as sometimes shows come out there even before the podcast. So again, to reiterate, I am back on the air full time as of April 1st. If you did not hear Friday's show, please go back and listen to a very powerful show with Pastor Stephen Broden out of Dallas, Texas a very powerful show. And this week we have a great lineup. And today is no exception. My guest today is Pastor Rodney Howard Brown. Rodney is a founder of Revival Ministries International. He pastors the River in Tampa Bay, Florida, a church which he and his wife founded. In 1987, his family as missionaries immigrated to the U.S. from South Africa with a passion burning to see souls saved and lives touched. And with a commission from God, he told them, stir up the churches and tell them to get ready for the coming revival. It is my pleasure to have him on. He is traveling. He is on the road now. He joins me by cell phone. Mr. Brown, welcome to the program. It is a pleasure to have you on, sir. How are you, dear lady? Bless you. I know it's been a long time coming. (laughs) 
Yes, it has been. Rodney, where I want to start is I want to get you to weigh in on this whole, I call it the three ring circus ridiculous, which is pretty stunning. Now, I've had very mixed feelings about Donald Trump, but I really want to believe deep down that he is a threat to the New World Order's global agenda. Now, I was fascinated by something you recently said. Donald Trump is the New World Order's worst nightmare. So either it's true or he's the greatest actor of all time. Has this billionaire's candidacy thrown the hold of the global agenda out of sync, do you think, Rodney? Well, I mean, the way that I look at it, first of all, when you have a pope and you have two former Mexican presidents and you have world leaders coming out against a person running for the presidency of the United States, then you have to ask yourself the question, why? Never before in recent history have I ever heard of a pope or other world leaders criticizing a person who's actually not even the nomination yet. So then I begin to realize that he was a threat to the agenda of the global New World Order. And when you hear that out of Davos, Switzerland, out of the World Economic Forum, that they are saying that the person they fear the most is Donald Trump, then I said, oh, okay, that makes total sense to me. Because this whole world, it's about, it's about control. Yes. And in America, we have been given this illusion that we actually have two parties, when in actuality, we actually only have one. It's the same snake with two heads. And so I have spent many months in Washington, in the Congress, walking every office of the Senate and, and the Congress, spoken to people on both sides of the aisle. The fact is that a game is being played with the American people. And the fact that, let's just say from the GOP, the Republican side, here we give them a majority of the House, a majority of the Senate, and what do they do? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. So somebody said to me, well, the president can, uh, you know, he signs executive orders. I said, listen, Congress has the power of the purse to defund and do whatever. But the fact is that they're all in the pocket and they're all under the control of the same group of people. That's why you have $4 billion a year coming through the hands of the lobby groups into the hands of the Senate. For example, I met with Mitch McConnell before he got reelected and then became the head of the Senate, Senate Majority Leader. And I said to him, sir, what are you going to do about this 900-pound gorilla down the road that's taking America down uh, down the creek? And he said, what? I said, the private central bank, the Federal Reserve. And he looked at me and the first words out of his mouth, have you spoken to Rand Paul? I said, sir, I've spoken to Rand Paul. But with all due respect, I'm talking to you. And he said, well, all we need is a majority in the Senate. And I'm sorry, I burst out laughing. And I said, do you think that a majority in the Senate is going to stop this thing that's actually going to be the demise of America? And so, you know, I don't look at things the way that people look at things because I come from Africa. I've seen the playbook before. I've had the privilege of traveling to 53 nations of the world. I've watched the games that are played in the African countries as racism is stirred up between white and black. And while the people fight each other, they are dispossessed of their wealth. As in South Africa, we don't own our diamonds or our gold. The Beers owns the diamonds. Anglo-American owns the gold. And this is the scam. The Republic of the Congo, the DRC, has a wealth in the ground of about $24 trillion dollars. 
but the the GDP is about six billion a year. Yeah. So who's making the money? Well, it's a war torn nation, and they're fighting each other. They're being dispossessed of their wealth, and so if people don't understand about this private central banking system of the last 200 years, started by the Rothschilds, if they don't understand that this is the Luciferian structure of the globe, and so here comes a man who does not need anybody's money, who's not interested in anybody's money, because he's self-funded, and he comes out of the blue, he controls the media basically with $2 billion worth of free advertising, which irritates them, but the American people have watched him, when he said to people, you fired, they love that. They love their outspokenness. They're tired of the lies of the politicians while they hide behind the Bible and they hide behind quoting scripture. But behind closed doors, they're vicious, ravening wolves. You know, I mean, I'm not saying he's a born-again believer. He's probably barely saved, to say the least. I mean, and I'm not even judging what his commitment is to the Lord. I know that he loves the Lord. He, he watches Christian television all the time, but that's not what we're looking for. We need somebody to go in and bulldoze to wreck the system that's in place that is taking America down, and it's taking it down fast. And so what I see, the GOP looks like they're imploding. And what they're going to do ultimately is probably give Hillary the election in November. And, you know, everybody's making an issue about abortion and same-sex marriage, and I'm trying to say, look, Wakey, wakey, abortion's legal in America, so same-sex marriage, all the way from the Supreme Court. So if you're going to make that the issue, and I'm not for abortion, and neither am I for same-sex marriage, but America is that far gone. We're not this nice little Christian nation that's upholding biblical principles at all. We're a nation that's been taken over by a globalist agenda, and that's why our borders are open. That's why millions of illegals are let into the country. And then they all become dependent upon the government so that they can all then vote and ultimately to change the uh, Constitution. And the very next thing they're going to want to do, because this is all part of Agenda 2030, is to come after the Second Amendment and go house to house and disarm the American people. And I promise you, the American people are not ready for that. If they, if they start moving down that line, you're talking about a civil war. And I can promise you the American people are not about to hand over their guns because the Second Amendment was instituted by the Founding Fathers. It's got nothing to do with protecting your house from a break-in. It is there to protect yourself from a tyrannical government. And in any other country where they disarmed the people, Mao Zedong took the guns. Fidel Castro took the guns. Stalin took the guns. Hitler took the guns. Chavez took the guns. And so that's the agenda. That is the plan on the cards for America. But I believe that God is going to have mercy on America one more time. I think things might have to get a bit worse before they get better in the sense that the American people might have to come out of their slumber and their sleep. And I've looked at, I've looked at all the candidates, because now we're down to three. Kasich, who all he's done is win Ohio. Yes, he did some stuff in the government, but he's not the people's choice. Ted Cruz, who even though a professing Christian, it's very concerning to me that here is a man that his wife has been part of the Council on Foreign Relations. Yes. She helped write the charter for, for NAFTA, the North American Free Trade Agreement, and also for the North American Union. And they received monies from Goldman Sachs. Very, very concerning to me. 
and he might be a constitutionalist, and that's fine, but there's a lot of people that say they're constitutionalists, and they're all pledged to defend the Constitution, but behind closed doors, they do the bidding of their masters, and the very fact that he would even open up and bring Neil Bush into his campaign, it's, to me, the kiss of death. And so, you know, I know the country is divided on this right now, especially amongst the Christians, but people need to wake up and smell the coffee and realize that America is about to, the sun is about to set over this nation, and it's about to set permanently. And coming from outside of America and having become a citizen in the United States yourself, I like how you see things a little differently. You see it more from a global perspective, what is happening globally. The Bible tells us that the devil's end-time plan is a one-world religion, a one-world financial system, a one-world government, this new world order. And this is a plan that really, Rodney, threatens every freedom we hold dear. Christianity and the Bible, that's a threat to the global plan. So anyone who thinks for themselves, defends a constitution, as you alluded to, the document that really made America the greatest nation on the planet, that stands in the way of the global agenda. So, you know, it's clear to see why it's been under attack. And from our own jihadist in the White House, as I call him, we realize that is the New World Order's agenda to bring the United States down because it, it is the last bastion for freedom. Now, I was surprised in Wisconsin this week, Trump was even talking about government-controlled churches, and I'd never heard him address 501c3. He said he warned the churches need to be restored. He said he's going to rid them of that tax-exempt status, the right of free speech, talking about the IRS targeting evangelicals. I mean, he really is talking about the fact that if Christians would rally together, they would be unstoppable. But are you surprised at how dumbed down and how absolutely complacent America's become, Rodney? Look, I was not going to come out publicly to endorse anybody for the GOP nomination. But what triggered me was when I saw Rubio telling his his supporters to vote for Kasich and trying to get Kasich to get his voters to support Rubio to stop Trump. I just said, you know what, this thing is wicked to the core. And they spent, I think, what, $65 million worth of bad advertising against uh, Donald Trump. I mean, can these people not just stand on their own two legs? People say, well, Trump was a a Democrat. No, he was not. They say, well, he was for abortion. No, not really. He, He was a businessman who was never really asked about those issues. They say, well, he funded Hillary Clinton. He funded everybody, whoever was the politician, both sides of the aisle, and he knows how the game works. And he even said of himself, he said, look, I've been for greed and for getting all I can, but now I'm for America. One thing I know about Donald Trump is everything he does is first class. You're not going to get a man in the White House who is not going to repair the roads and our bridges and our dams and the whole infrastructure of America that's actually crumbling before our eyes, where you can go to places. And I was just in Dubai and in Qatar, uh, in the Middle East, and you could see the finest of everything, the best, and you come to America and everything's run down. It looks like we've gone into the slum zone. And, and all of the while, the industrial military complex continues. This current pope, who's now busy joining world religions as we speak, as we speak, you can just see how the whole thing uh, is coming together at an alarming rate. And so uh, Right Wing Watch came out with an article said, they called me a televangelist and said that he says that uh, Trump will stop the Antichrist. And I never did. 
I said that Donald Trump would give us a stay of execution at the very best. That's all we can hope for. That. I know Ted Cruz thinks he's going to beat Hillary Clinton, but I promise you they're going to beat him like a drum come November. And uh, I'm just watching this thing, just shaking my head. So I had to come out publicly. I made a post on Facebook, which just under a million people saw it. And then people came out, said, I'd lost my mind. I've lost the ministry. I've lost the anointing. I was backslidden. I was a reprobate. And it goes on and on and on. And of course, you know, of course, I don't get in the argument on Facebook. I just delete and block, which I've learned a long time ago is <laughs> the best thing to do. Otherwise, you end up just feeding the trolls. Yes. The fact of the matter is this. You know, as we say around our parts here, opinions are like armpits. Everybody has them, and some of them stink. <laughs> and the fact that we're dealing with people that have no understanding of a world, they have no worldview, they don't even know history, they don't know the freedoms of what made America great and why America is the way it is, and everybody is standing behind their person running for the presidency, whether they be Democratic or, or the Republican. But the fact is, take President Obama, for example, as an extension of George Bush, his presidency. And right. people say, why? You can't say that. I can say it because we're still in Afghanistan. We're still in, we're still in Iraq, sending more troops. We're Guantanamo base is still there. And plus, 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 there's nothing that he's done that's different to George Bush other than eroding away the Constitution, but then George Bush is the one that brought us the wonderful Patriot Act and that's taken away the rights and privileges of every American. And most Americans don't even know that 100 miles from the coast on the borders of America is a non-constitution zone. Yeah. And that's a fact. You can Google that, you can pull that up, and you can see. So the rights and the privileges of American people are being taken away right in front of the eyes while they're still fighting over Republican Democrats. The thing is that far gone. So when Mr. Trump, who, by the way, I've met on two occasions over 20 years, he did not know who I was. So it was not like he was meeting me as an international minister. I was just a standby, a person standing by. Both times he was very kind to me, very nice to me. I didn't see, I didn't see anything untoward. His language was impeccable, and I found him to be a gentleman. And there's some other things I could tell you about the conversations that I had with him. But that's beside the point. The media is going to paint. I mean, you can Google my name if you want to see stuff about me. I'm supposed to be a hypnotist. I'm supposed to be trained by some Indian swami. I mean, the most ludicrous garbage you can ever imagine. Stuff like I don't believe in the teeth of Christ. And yet I have Dr. James Beverly, who's one of the leading authorities in world religions, out of Tyndale Seminary in Toronto, Canada, who's not a Pentecostal, who's not a charismatic, but he's a friend of mine. And he came to visit me in 1994. And he went through my doctrine. There's nothing he can find that is outside of the Christian faith, other than the fact that I'm a radical Pentecostal and believe in the Book of Acts, which that's not outside the Christian faith, as far as I'm. I can see that's what the Bible tells us in Mark chapter 16 with the Great Commission, to go into all the world and preach the gospel. So in the Christian world, we're up against what people call the cessationists, and they believe that all this stuff passed away with the last apostle. But that's not true. There's nearly 900 million people around the planet that speak in other tongues. Whether you like it or not, it's a fact. That's why they chose the Spanish Pope, because the Catholic Church is bleeding in Central and South America. 
as the Pentecostal movement is sweeping across the nations of Central and South America as the wind of the Holy Spirit is blowing. So, you know, they can argue all they want to, but the fact of the matter is that we have this other saying, the dogs bark, but the caravan keeps moving. Yeah. You know, you can't sit and argue with people all day if they are ignorant about the Bible, and then secondly, ignorant about the nations of the world, what we're up against, what's taking place. You know, so we've just got to believe God that people are going to wake up, come out of the slumber, come out of the coma, come out of the sleep, and um, start making a difference in this earth that we're living in, because I believe God called us to make a difference, and as Jesus said, to occupy till he comes, not to go hide in a mountain somewhere and wait for the coming of the Lord to get us out of this mess. Amen. We'll occupy until I come. And to take that one step further, he said unto them, Go ye into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. That's really important because we know that it said that these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils, speak with new tongues. They shall take up servants. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. Lay hands on the sick. They shall recover. This is really the Great Commission. And yet people are not radical for the kingdom of heaven. And when you're not radical, you're not ready for what's coming, are you? People are so distracted and apathetic and complacent in the Western church. And it is sad because we need to get desperate and hungry again, don't we? Totally. There's no such thing as a silent witness. I mean, we were in the capital, our nation's capital, and I met with some group of people that for 25 years have been friends with people in the Supreme Court. And I said, well, can you let me meet them? Oh, no. Oh, no. What would you say to them? I said, I would talk Jesus to them. Oh, no, you can't do that. We've just been friends to them. I said, you're going to be friends to people while they go to a lost eternity. I said, we are to be a witness. We are to boldly proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and the scripture that says, he that believeth in baptized shall be saved, he that believeth not shall be damned. It's not our job to go and damn anybody. It's our job to preach the gospel. If they receive it, they'll be saved. If they don't, then they'll be damned. The fact of the matter is that Christians around the world in other parts are suffering for the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You go back to even the early church, well, I mean, just under the ministry of Jesus, where they tried to kill him. And then you go to Stephen, who was a deacon and did great miracles and signs and wonders among the people, and they, they, they killed him. They stoned him. And that's the whole thing. Christianity brings an offense. The name of Jesus and the cross of Jesus and the blood of Jesus are the most offensive things to the devil. He hates the cross, he hates the blood, and he hates the name of Jesus. And so we have to be radical and we have to be bold. I was just preaching in Qatar, in Doha, in the Middle East, and hundreds were getting saved every night. And I know that sounds strange that I would be in a total Islamic country preaching the gospel, but they've opened their borders now, and there's 1.8 million people that are foreigners, and so they have to give them a place to worship. There are churches springing up in Saudi Arabia right now, as we speak. Now, The Muslim people might not be able to convert to Christianity, but there are foreigners within their nations that are preaching the gospel, that are radical. Their churches across Yemen right now. My eyes were open to see what God is doing and the fact that the rise of ISIS is really imploding the religion of Islam because the Muslims are saying, why is our religion so violent? And so there's many that are backsliding, that are leaving the faith, 
But God is moving in a profound way. I met with a pastor, Tommy. I was talking to him in Dubai, and he is uh, over 60 churches right across the Middle East. And he said to me, he said, you know, we go into Saudi Arabia, so we have companies that we, we, we have these, that's how you can get into, into Saudi Arabia. And he said, a Saudi Arabian national came to him, walked into his office, said, do you have a Bible? Do you have a Bible? He said, no, I, I don't have a Bible. But he, he said, I was very cautious because I thought this guy's been sent to flush us out as believers that we would be witnessing to one of the, one of the locals. And the guy looked at him and said, don't worry, I'll get a Bible. Two hours later, he comes back with a Bible. So they said, how did you get this Bible? He said, no, last night Jesus appeared to me, and I gave my life to him, and he told me where there was a Bible, and he told me what street to go, and there's a little old man that lived there, and he gave me this Bible. This guy reads the Bible, believes every word of it, takes it at face value. Nobody was there to tell him it was not for today. He goes back to his village. This is in Saudi Arabia. His mother is dying of an incurable disease. He walks right up to her and says, be healed in Jesus' name. His mother is instantaneously healed. She is beside herself. She opens up a chest of all jewelry that she's been collecting over the years, and she is so blessed, she wants to give this to her son. And he said, Mom, I cannot take it. No, no, you must take it. I can't take it. So a fight breaks out. She calls the police. The police come there and start to beat him. So why won't you take what your mother wants to give you? And then he looked at them and said, I cannot take anything because I did not heal her. Jesus healed her. She must give it to Jesus. And then he looked at their faces. And at that moment, he knew that if he pushed the envelope any further, that it would be the end of him. And so this pastor told me, he said, this guy disappeared. They never saw him for about two years. They were really concerned that he'd lost his life or whatever. But about two years later, he appears out of the blue, and he's dressed differently, and he looks fine. And they said, how are you doing? He said, doing great. He said, what happened to you? He said, the Lord led me to a Bedouin tribe of 800 people. And he said, they're all born again. They're all spirit-filled, and they roam across Saudi Arabia. And I begin to think, you know, people think that the Holy Spirit is a language or a tongue or interpretation. Those are only the gifts of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is omnipresent, and God is moving by His Spirit across the earth. Some of the most amazing things that are taking place in the Middle East, in Bahrain. And I've been invited now to Bahrain, to Saudi Arabia, which I'm going to go, and into other places within the Middle East to strengthen the church and to mobilize the body of Christ to bring in this great harvest of souls. We are truly living in the final hour. This is the final hour. But I believe Jesus said, when I come back, will I find faith on the earth? And I don't want him to come back and find a church that's sleeping, that's in bed with the world, that's compromised. I want him to come back and find a church that's radical. And that's when the Lord gave me the message in Qatar, no silent witness. We must be bold. We must be radical in our faith. The homosexual agenda is radical. The abortion agenda is radical. The whatever other wicked agenda is radical. Well, guess what? Jesus did not die in a closet. He died on a hill for the whole world to see. And we have to shout it from the mountaintops, shout it from the rooftops until the whole world knows. And not this past Sunday, but the previous Sunday, I preached message, no silent witness, because we've got to be radical. And somebody said it could cost you a life. Then come on, bring it on. Come on down. You know where I am. I'm not afraid. We've got nothing to lose. What's the worst thing that can happen to us? We go to heaven? 
make my day. (laughs) Well, people in other countries are hungry, and God is still pouring out His Spirit on the earth. We don't need another Pentecost. He's still moving to those who are hungry, but people aren't hungry. The still works, yes. Yes, exactly. (laughs) They're just not hungry for the living water. You know, I always believe that John the Baptist said, I baptize with water, but there's one coming after me who will baptize you with Holy Ghost, fire. We know Jesus is the baptizer. It's about an intimate personal relationship with him. We don't need another church service. We don't need another PowerPoint presentation on the Reader's Digest preaching about nothing about Christ. People in the West are downtrodden. They're oppressed, Rodney. They're depressed. They're defeated. We need to get back to supernatural living overflowing, totally. don't we? Totally. You're reading from <laughs> from the Bible. I mean, that's that's it. It's time for the church to wake up. So let me just say this, getting back to America and, and uh, Donald Trump. I mean, I don't see. I mean, obviously, the guys come from where he has. I really feel the Lord is has blessed him, put him in a place to be a last-minute reprieve for America. Other than that, I don't see, it's pretty much finished. You know, I don't think I'm wrong on it. And just so you know, I mean, I'm vocal about it, but I've spoken to many, many major ministries that are not vocal, but they all are backing Donald Trump. Godly people, holy people, pure people. And, And I asked them why. They said there's nobody else that can do it. There's no one else that can do it. Well, I mean, what's our option? Communist, socialist, Sanders, or Mao say tongue in a skirt, Hillary Clinton, as I call her. I mean, God can step over a lot of things. God used a donkey. So God can use anything to give his people a reprieve, can't he? I think he's a wrecking ball. I think he's a wrecking ball to the GOP, yeah. which I'm telling you, I'm, I'm very disgusted at the GOP, very disgusted. As corrupt as the Democratic Party. And what I've realized is that the GOP does not love America. They love the GOP, and the Democrats don't love America. They love the Democrats. And it's all about the game of being elected and winning elections. Because I can tell you from the inside of the Congress, when I've spoken to high-ranking congressmen on subcommittees, and they were shocked at what I knew. In actual fact, they said to me, do you have intel? How do you know all this stuff? I said, look, I just studied history, and it's plain, it's not complicated. And I said, why don't you do something about this? And one of them looked at me and said, listen, Rodney, let me just tell you something. He said, all I do while I'm here is take care of my constituents. He said, if I bring up any of this stuff, he said, I am beaten into submission. I am mocked. I am laughed at by the party leaders. And he said, I cannot do one thing concerning this. And so I realized at that point, when you have people that have been inside Congress, and these are good people, these are godly people, good people, but they, he said, all I do is take care of my constituents and make sure that the people back in my home state that elected me and sent me to Congress are taken care of. Other than that, he said, there's really nothing much else I can do. And so, in essence, we, we need a wrecking ball to come in and rip the system apart. Yeah. It is wicked. It's lawless. We're tired of being manipulated by politicians, the liberal, the bought-out and sold-out media. Trump doesn't censor his words like these politicians do. He says what he thinks. He appeals to the people. And we don't agree with everything he says. But at least no. at least a mark of a person standing up is, you know, you got to look at who backs him, who attacks him. You mentioned the one-world pope there. If he's coming against you, that's 
pretty telling when you've got those two former Mexican presidents, as you said, and other world leader. That tells me that the world's financial elite, they're afraid of Trump. Well, even like in England now, that are trying to vote to whether they're going to stay in the EU or exit the EU. Right. You've got Obama who's going to fly into England if he hasn't done it already, to try to tell the British people to stay in the EU. What in the world does an American president got to do with England staying in or leaving the EU? It's because it's all part of the global ploy and the global agenda. And so, I mean, you could just see this fiasco of what just took place in Cuba. And you could just see what's taking place. All of this stuff is all about an agenda. It almost looks like to me that POTUS is now positioning himself to become head of the United Nations, from my observation of what I can see. And, of course, if you go to my Twitter account, I'm very vocal on Twitter concerning the government, the nations, politics, and what's happening in the nations of the earth. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I meet with African presidents. I meet with other leaders in other parts of the world. And people, not everybody's asleep. I mean, you've got a guy like Nigel Farage in the U.K. who is the leader of the UKIP movement, who was actually founded by Lord Christopher Monckton, right. who's like one of the leading experts on the hoax of global warming. But um, Nigel Farage is like, he's like the Donald Trump of the United Kingdom. And of course, he's against open borders. So what do they do? They call him a racist. So what they do is, because you're against open borders, suddenly you become a racist. Hold it. I am a legal immigrant that has become an American citizen. And it cost me $50,000, plus many trips, many interviews, fingerprints with the FBI, and only God knows what else, and many years of waiting to finally be sworn in to become an American citizen. How is it possible that people can just be allowed across a border, given driver's licenses, given Social Security numbers? This is the dilution of the American system as we know it, and it's to get rid of our freedoms, our rights, to put the power of the vote to sway, to change the Constitution, to get rid of the Second Amendment. The moment you get rid of the Second Amendment, the First Amendment's gone, and then only God knows what we sink into total tyranny. Somebody said, well, you can't change Bible prophecy. I said, listen, I'm not trying to change Bible prophecy, but I believe we are the restraining force in the earth today. Yes. And, um, you know, Donald Trump said this, Donald Trump said that. Yeah, in the city of Tampa, they came to Donald Trump's office to try to find out who was working for him. And he doesn't have that many people. I think six people in the office. Not one white person. All the people working in his office were African-American, Hispanic, all minorities working in his office. So, I mean, this is a racist that has minorities working in his office that are all loyal to him. Please. So the media, you know, they've got the agenda. They're going to push it. They're going to paint you. I know how I've been demonized. In the Christian media, without cause, without even giving me a chance. When we first went to England back in 1994 and went to England, there were nine books written about me and not one person had interviewed me. Not one person. Wow. And they just made up stories. And that's all we deal with, made up stories. So I look at Donald Trump, look what they say. I say, listen, I know people that work in his house. We've got friends in West Palm Beach, and they've got people that work in, in his house. That he's the kindest man. He doesn't drink. He doesn't smoke. He's, yes, he's had marriages, but so did Ronald Reagan. Look, what are you looking for? A Pentecostal preacher? They wouldn't even let him near the White House. I mean, you could see the GOP don't even want Ted Cruz. 
they they just hanging on to Ted Cruz's last resort because that little bubble boy Rubio didn't make it. I'll tell you what the GOP wants. They want control of the GOP. And let me tell you what they're going to do. They're going to throw their nominee under the bus come this election. And they will be voting for Hillary because they know that in four years they can maybe still stay control of the GOP party. You mark what I'm telling you right now, short of a landslide. If Trump has a landslide, obviously there's nothing they can do about it. But if he does not have the landslide, they will... They don't want Cruz in the White House. I can promise you they yeah. don't want Cruz in the White yeah. House. They are their father the devil, and that's all I have to say about that. I mean, you know, Carl Rove, Carl Rove comes out and says, oh, he's never mishandled a reporter. Oh, excuse me. I know of people that Carl Rove threw under the bus. Threw under the bus. Yes. One of them being Catherine Harris when she was running for the Senate. And I know Catherine Harris, former Secretary of State of the State of Florida. She's been in our house. I said, Catherine, explain to me what happened. She said, I put about $2 million of my money into running for the Senate. And she said, I received a call from Carl Rove. And he said, you will not run. If you run, you're going to lose. She said, but why? He said, you will upset the balance of power in the House. And this is a midterm election, and we want to craft a comeback two years from now. And she said, no, I'm running. And they went to GOP and put millions of people, millions of dollars, into the opponent, who is a Democrat, so that he could win and beat her. So don't come tell me, well, I've been manhandled reporter. No, let's talk about all the people that you've thrown under the bus. I know for a fact, even in the city of Tampa, of people that were running at a local level and a statewide level, that they wanted them out of their position. We have a great little Baptist girl that was in the Congress in Tallahassee. She was making moves. She was shutting down abortion clinics. I mean, amazing. She's the youngest lady to be elected to the Congress. You know what they said to her? They said, listen, man, you're so powerful. You need to be in the Senate. Why don't you run for the Senate seat? And when she ran for the Senate seat, that's when they got her out of the Congress. And that's what they do. They, this, this is a wicked, wicked system. And so I'm just telling you right now, probably come after this election in November, I will, I will not, I'm not, I'm not a GOP. I, I don't know how I can even back this thing, knowing what they do behind the scenes. And they, and these people will all come out publicly and act like nice little Christians, close scripture and whatever, but behind the, the door, they will stab you in the back. And I've got something pretty amusing that you'll, you'll find pretty amusing. When we were in Washington, D.C., they brought to me a little lady. She's 94 years old. And so I was speaking there nights, and then we were in the back room, and they brought this little lady to me. She's on a walker. And she ran George Bush's, uh, the father's campaign back in the 60s. And so I, when I heard this, I thought, oh, my Lord, I better not say anything about the Bushes. And of course, she worked <laughs> in the White House when he was first in, in the White House. And so I'm sitting there, and it's like a moment of silence, just her and me in the back room. And she looks at me, and she goes, the Bushes? And I go, yes, ma'am. She said, wicked people. Wow. And I go, and I called her by her name. I said, how can you say that? You know, I mean, well, tongue in cheek, I know what the story is. And she says, they worship an owl. And then she went off on Bohemian Grove. She went off on the Thousand Points of Light, the New World Order. And she told me, she said, the Clintons and the Bushes are family friends and have always been. There's a, there's a room in Kenny Bunkport where the Clintons have been coming yeah. for years, even before he was president. So this whole thing is a scam. And, of course, that was all portrayed when you see Air Force One going to South Africa to Nelson Mandela's funeral. Who's on board Air Force One? The Bushes, yeah. the Obamas, and the Clintons. 
all sitting there laughing, looking at George Bush's art, and they all sitting there. It's a club. Can't the American people see that this is a club? It's a scam. Secret societies. Newt Gingrich said about the Washington establishment was turning against Trump because Trump's not part of these devilish secret societies. I mean, do you think Trump ever, Rodney, had any idea the level of opposition that he would be facing in this? You know, I don't I don't know. And who knows what got him into it? But I do know that this is going to cost him everything. I know that if he doesn't win, they'll do everything, even after the election, you know, the elections, whoever, to do everything to undermine. But, um, you know, the thing about, I'll tell you about my first meeting with him. We were down in West Palm Beach. I was preaching down there, and there was a gentleman who was a developer, and he was developing a place in the Caribbean. And I'm friends with the Gary Player family, and I was going to this private Gary Player fundraising event at Wayne Azenga's private club in Jupiter, Florida. And so he heard I was going. He said, listen, can you take the plans to this development and do me a favor? He said, if you get Gary to design this thing, he said, what I'll do is I'll give you a lot of, you know, of course, all I know at that time, I mean, I've been preaching two meetings a day, six days a week, 46 weeks of the year in the church, you know, just doing what God has called me to do. And um, anyway, so, uh, I mean, I, I, I know nothing about the business realm. This is like 1997. I know nothing about this realm. It's like totally oblivious to me. All I know is church. I gave my life to Jesus when I was five years old. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit when I was eight. So I don't know anything of that side. I know the church, but I don't know the other side. So I said, sure. So he said, here's my car. I jump in this big 740i BMW, put the plans in the back, drive into this private course with only 40 members and park the car, walk in there. And I'm standing and I'm watching helicopters come and go and Steve Forbes and who's who in the financial zoo coming out of New York. And there's a couple, we're looking, there's like a silent auction. And I'm just standing there minding my own business. And out of the blue, here comes Donald Trump. And I'm going, oh, my Lord, <laughs> Donald Trump. And I heard, like I heard the Lord say, just listen. And Donald comes up to us and starts talking out of the blue. And here's what he said. He said, you know, if anything happened, <laughs> you would have thought that we were long lost friends and, and we understood everything. But he's just talking. He's being Donald. He said, a funny thing happened. He said, you know, the other day I flew into uh, New York on the Trump shuttle and I took the Trump limo going to Trump Tower. And he said, um, I'm driving there with my girlfriend at the time. Obviously, it's probably his wife now. And he said, I said to her, you see that bum there on the street? She said, yes. He said, well, that bum is richer than I am. She said, what are you talking about? We just take the the Trump shuttle. We're in the Trump limo. We're going to Trump Tower. He said, well, that guy doesn't owe a dime. And I owe $9.6 billion. He said, so I get to Trump Tower and they tell me there are five New York bankers waiting to see me. He said, I walk, walk in there. And they say, Mr. Trump, we've come here today to foreclose on you. But in our investigation of the ramifications of what the foreclosure will do, we realized that we would bankrupt all five banks. And so what we did, we scraped together another $2 billion. Please get yourself out of this mess. So that's 9.6, 10.6, 11.6 billion in the hole. And he turned around to 10 billion in the black. Yeah. So what am I saying? What is America now? 
America is not a republic. America is a corporation. If you look at the grounds of the White House and the Treasury, it's the same property divided by a wall. The Secret Service's job is not to protect the president, it's to protect the dollar, to make sure the president does not touch the money. If he touches the money, he dies, and you can see it of what happened to John F. Kennedy. So the fact is this. We need a CEO, we need a ruthless, wrecking ball businessman to go in there when you hear 20% of Washington said they would leave. Good. 50% need to leave. When Al Sharpton said he's leaving, good. Then I'm happy because these are the people that are lying to the American people and that are part of the problem. And we should be able to speak our mind freely because the, the First Amendment covers five areas. It's not just there's five different areas in the first, from freedom to press, freedom to gather freely, freedom to worship how you want to, freedom to go to the government and to argue over issues that you are unhappy about. That's all in the First Amendment. The First Amendment is not just there for you know, freedom of speech. It's more than that. And the founding fathers knew exactly what they did. So I say we need a CEO, a wrecking ball that can go in there and say, you fight, get him out. You go into jail. This one, arrest him. Somebody said, oh, we can't do that. It'll mess up America. America's already gone, ladies and gentlemen. Wakey, wakey, sleeping beauty. While the American people are distracted with the NFL, NHL, Hollywood, Starbucks, movie, and a Walmart, America is being taken away from us right under our noses. Not some nice little Christian speaking nice scripture and bound their head to pray as a religious token, we need somebody that can go in there and kick butt and take names. And right now, I don't see anybody other than Donald J. Trump. And he's not paying me, as they said to me, you've been paid to say this. Absolutely not. Not at all. The second time I met him was about 18 months ago before he was even running. I was preaching in Miami, and I had to go and get some clothes from one of my places when I get my suits down in Miami. And I said to the team with me, call Dural and see if I can play that golf course, because I knew Donald had bought the thing. And they said, no, it's a big opening today. I said, see if you can get me on. And after a bit of persuasion, they got me on a tea time at 1.30. I arrived there. This stands up. Here's Donald Trump's helicopter. They put me in with two people from the Golf Channel. And they said to me, now, listen, Mr. Trump's going to come and play through. Please let him through. So he comes through. We, we waved at him, said hi. It was very nice. I finished the round of golf. And when I pulled up to the steps of the clubhouse, there's Mr. Trump standing by himself. Just by himself, nobody else. I looked around to see where the people, there was nobody, just him. And I looked at him and said, Mr. Trump, phenomenal job you've done on the course. He said, you like it? I said, yes. He said, come here. Come come over here. Then he called Tim Rossiford from the Dolph Channel. I said, come here, Tim. This guy likes the course. Come. And we got talking. Um, he signed my scorecard, and we, we took the picture. And at that time, I actually felt that I should talk to him about the private central banks. But, you know, you, you've got to pick your times and when to speak to people, and I respect other people because I understand how my time is, and I felt that it was not appropriate of me to talk to him on that in that area. But I found him, over a 20-year period, I found him totally a normal human being. Just He's Donald Trump. He's not the pushover. He says what he, what he thinks, and I think that's what America needs. We can't have these politicians that sell out to the highest bidder. So... That's why I came out for him, and uh, my name's Rodney R. Brown, and I approved this message. I mean, I'm sticking with it. I don't know if I'll ever meet him again or whatever, but that's just the way I feel about it. Well, I think it's very important because in this final movement of God, 
I really think it's time that the evangelicals step up to the plate. We're, we're starved or biblically anemic. I think that Donald Trump does want to restore the church in America as well. And I think that's an important piece because we talked about people in other countries being hungry. When are the people in the West going to get hungry? We're in the final sands of the hourglass here, aren't we? Totally. You know, that's why we're reaching the lost and going after the harvest, even in the inner cities. I mean, Easter Sunday, we had 645 people come forward at the altars to get saved on a Sunday morning at the church. And every Sunday, over 150 minimum were getting saved. We are going after the lost like you cannot believe. We're hitting the schools. We're hitting universities, places of government. We're mobilizing every Christian to share their faith and to witness and to win souls one-on-one. Because if we don't do this, other people of other religions are radically pushing their agenda. 95% of the American church do not witness. 95% of the people that attend church in America do not ever tell another person about Jesus. Can you imagine what would happen if every person that called themselves a child of God, that said, I'm saved and love Jesus, and as I told the church, I said, if you eat at a great restaurant, wouldn't you tell your friends about, hey, there's a great restaurant? If you go to a nice place on vacation and you want other people, oh, you've got to go there. It's so beautiful. So if Jesus has touched you, if he has saved you, if he has set you free, wouldn't you go tell somebody else about him? Amen. While God's waiting on you people, it's all hands on deck. He wants to fill you to overflowing and anoint his people to take the gospel to a lost world. Don't tell me one person cannot change things. One woman stopped prayers in school. So we do need to take America back spiritually, don't we? Totally. If one woman full of the devil can stop praying in schools, what can one person radical full of the Holy Spirit do? And it's going to rock the boat. It's going to rock the religious system. It's going to rock the political system. But when, as I always say, when the, when the light shines, then the rats and the cockroaches run. Yeah. Rodney, I thank you for your time today. I know you're traveling. Do give out your information, how people can get in touch with you for the new listeners. We have a website, revival.com, revival.com. And there's links to my Facebook and Periscope and Twitter and Instagram. And, you know, we use, I mean, all of the different social medias to communicate with people very easily contacted. If they go to the Facebook page, they can private message me on there. That's the easiest way. And we have a church here in Tampa. We have a Bible school, um, English and Spanish. We have over 300 students in school that are raising up, going to the mission fields. And we have a school of government training people to run office and we have a school of worship so that's what's happening here in tampa excellent well pastor brown thank you for your decades of service to the lord kudos for your bold stance uncompromising even in the face of all the opposition that your ministry you're still standing strong and i want to just say god bless you sir now in the waning moments rodney would you say a prayer for the folks listening to this program today sir please All right, first of all, let me just say, you've got to get radical. And I always tell people, if if you looked at your life and from zero to five, like uh, zero being cold, frozen, five being hot, where are you? Some people say I'm a three or I'm a four, but God wants you to be hot. This is not the time to be lukewarm. So first of all, let me need you in a prayer. If you don't know Jesus today, then pray this prayer. But just say this out loud. Say, dear Lord Jesus. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. 
Wash me in your blood. Change me. I turn my back on the world. Lord, I don't want to be lukewarm. I want to be on fire for you. Show me your word. Show me your will. And show me your way. And I receive this here today by faith. And I confess Jesus Christ is Lord. And I thank you that you raised Jesus from the dead and that one day he is coming back to take me home. And I want to hear those words. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Father, I pray for every person listening by way of radio right now, that you would reach into every home, into every living room, even into people's cars if they're listening on a podcast later. I pray that your tangible presence would invade their life, that you would heal marriages, that you would set people free. Father, that people would focus on eternal things. What is going to count 100 years from today? Not the things that we focus and spend all of our time and effort and energy, but that which is eternal. And I pray, Lord, that you would wake up the sleeping giant, the church, set the enemy back, unravel every plan of the wicked, let the wicked turn on each other just like a dog on its own tail, pull the wheels off of Pharaoh's chariots, give America, give Canada, One last-minute reprieve, Lord, to usher in the harvest of souls just before the return of the King. And I pray a special blessing. I pray encouragement. I pray boldness upon your people today. And I pray your peace in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Pastor Rodney, thank you so much for your time today, sir. God bless you. And do come back and see us again. Anytime. We'll schedule it. Blessings. Blessings to you too, sir. Folks, that was Roddy Howard Brown. His information is linked there on the April 4th bio. Thank you so much for tuning into the broadcast. We have a fantastic lineup this week. Please do remember, sign up for the free e-newsletter as one is coming out today. If you don't get it, email me and I'll make sure you get the current April newsletter. And folks, remember, if you have a guest that you would like me to have on the program, do get in touch with me. The contact information is there on the website. And a reminder that this broadcast is 100% unbiased, uncut, no sponsors, no commercials, no infomercials, 100% listener funded. And I thank you for your continued support. We will see you 